This week, Intentional Sounding, the Draw Play podcast, is brought to you by our sponsors at Warby Parker. They make clothes for your eyes. Uh, that's not their actual uh, slogan, but I, I thought it was good. So, Warby Parker, that one's for free. Uh, actually, it's not. Pay me all the money. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty objective. They want to offer designer eyewear at a revolutionary price while leading the way for socially conscious businesses. Uh, the eyewear industry, I don't know if you guys know this, if you don't wear glasses, if you just do contacts or whatever, if you have to buy glasses, uh, the eyewear industry is dominated by one company, just one company that pretty much makes all your frames. Uh, and because of that, they've been able to keep their prices artificially high while reaping huge profits from consumers who really don't have any other options because the brand names on the side are really kind of just a front for this one company. Warby Parker was created to create an alternative to that uh, so you can get good eyewear uh, and have a good outcome. They have prescription eyeglasses that start at just $95, which is really, really good. And I mean, I know you've seen people with Warby Parker uh, frames around town. They're super, super stylish, comfortable, fashion forward, uh, tons of different styles to match whatever look you're trying to go for. I know this fall, I'm trying to go a little uh, Harajuku chic, a lot of baggy sweaters and, and short shorts. So there's that. Um, but, but other than that, the really cool thing about War Warby Parker's trying to do uh, is they have a home try-on program, so it's risk-free. You can send stuff you don't like back. But also, for every pair that is sold, a pair is going to be distributed to someone in need, and that's super, super great as well. All you got to do, uh, if you want to try and get your hands on some of these good, good eye clothes... You want to go to bit.ly slash cscav for more details. That is bit.ly slash s-e-e-s-c-a-v and get your frames. Our second sponsor this week is Nectar. Nectar, they make the most comfortable mattress available and they sell the Nectar directly to you, which means they cut out middlemen and markups. Yeah, fuck middlemen and markups. You get to enjoy the best mattress at a much better price because of this. Uh, Nectar is designed for every type of sleeper. I've said this before on the show. I'm generally a stomach sleeper, so this is huge for me. I'm, I'm glad that Nectar – there's like apparently only 6% of us, and Nectar is taking us into account. That's very nice. Uh, it also arrives backed by their full comfort guarantee and forever warranty. The – Biggest thing that they do, and this kind of sets them apart from their competitors, they're, the mattress in a box company is growing, right? The, a lot of folks are doing this kind of thing. The way that Nectar sets themselves apart is where other companies do, say, a 50 or 100 day or a, a night sleep trial. Nectar gives you the whole year. If anything happens to the mattress, uh, or if you don't like it for whatever reason, you have a full year sleep trial so that you can make sure Nectar is right for you at no risk. Nectar arrives right at your door uh, and they can set up your Nectar for you and remove your old mattress, which is always a friggin' hassle. Thousands of Nectar com customers and over 20 mattress review sites think Nectar is the most comfortable mattress you can ever purchase. And hey, if you don't agree, you got a whole year to just send it back. Uh, 
yeah, they will also. So the big the big thing with that is a lot of uh, mattress sites when they refund you or or you do that, you're kind of it's on you to get the mattress somewhere else. Nectar will pick up your mattress for you. The customer service is great, and hey, only like around three percent, less than three percent actually of nectar sleepers return their nectar bed. So, you know, you spend uh, 30% of your life sleeping, more more if you're me, you might as well enjoy it, right? They make a good mattress. I also want to give a big shout out to the Scavengers Network. Thank you so much for having us uh, on your network. We are alongside shows like Spooky Spouses. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Myth Takes because I was on that, so I'm tooting my own horn a little bit. Uh, it is a Dungeons & Dragons style podcast. It's a live play RPG that takes place in the Kansas Plains. We fight a whole bunch of cryptids. This one time I did something very cool with a minivan and a football kicking machine. Uh, and we just ended the first arc, Homecoming, uh, so catch up, I guess. All right, back to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to Intentional Sounding. This is the Draw Play Podcast. I am your host, Draw Play Dave Rapocio, and with me, as always, is a fair amount of mustard, Sam Grezis. It's yeah, I don't know. You got to check your notes. I I'm I am an extreme amount of mustard. Are you a yellow mustard guy or a, like a fancy mustard guy? You know, it it depends. It depends uh, on like burgers, hot dogs. Uh, things like that, any kind of like non-cold cut sandwich, I usually go for just either the straight up bright yellow shit or, or Dijon if I'm feeling particularly fancy, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, there, there is a, as with most things, there's a time and place for every single mustard, but they are all my wonderful uh, children, and if you disparage them, I, I I will find you in in your sleep time and uh, just just squirt squirt some of that mustard right all over you. All right, you made that sufficiently creepy. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've actually had yellow mustard in probably ten years. Mm. I'm a I'm a Dijon or a stone ground, stone ground. chunky mustard guy. Sure, that's, that's where I have my mustard, and it's pretty much only on like fancy bratwurst and like street dogs and stuff like that mm -hmm. but i never have it on burgers anywhere anyway ignoring mustard talk let's get to a little bit more mustard talk and we have a very special guest for you on the podcast today listeners um if you've ever gone to my site or um, if you're uh, from something off of you obviously know who this individual is already but if you're not and you've ever gone to my site and you see a tab in the upper menu that says too much mustard and you click on it and you see a bunch of stick figure comics that are not made by me but are funnier than anything I've done well that's the person we have on the podcast today welcome to the show Rob Press I worry that you have totally oversold me <laughs> however I do appreciate the amount of mustard talk that there is, there has already been 
Uh, first question I want to ask is why why too much mustard? How'd you come up with that? Ah, uh, too much mustard came from playing too much Madden and hearing that same quote over and over again from John Madden. Oh God! That sometimes he, <laughs> he just put too much mustard, mustard on. on. That one. Yep. Pat. That is Damn. exactly it. Uh, also, <laughs> mustard, pretty good. It's a good condiment. The best condiment, mm-hmm. maybe. It, I, uh, mm, I feel like I don't know. A thing. No, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a ketchup guy. Oh, Jesus. Appeal, Jesus. Dave. Mustard, mustard <laughs> is much more... So, people get into this condiment argument all the time, and they bring up things like, like I don't know, some fancy shit that no one... Like hollandaise sauce is the best condiment. I'm like, that's bullshit. A it's a condiment for like one thing. Yeah, yeah, a, it's built specifically for one meal. A, a a good condiment has to be readily available, easy to make, and easy to store. The only and and universally or like vaguely universally applicable. Um, that's why I think mustard is better than ketchup, and why I think the only the only real challenger to mustard. Might be sriracha. Yes, I am from 2008. Oh, Don't man. Don't at me. Oh, but... Sam. Sam, no. I'm, I'm pretty close to just exiting this call right now and just ending. Or maybe, or, okay, okay. You so can... maybe not just, not just sriracha. If you're going to consider you can go hot right sauce ahead, a cause... condiment. Hot sauce is acceptable. Hot so sauce let's, is let's, let's just go the hot sauce best. then instead of that. Instead of that. I just think sriracha because it's like, <laughs> it's got that like thick mustard ketchup like paste consistency that i associate with condiments what's the difference between a condiment and a sauce uh i, I guess i think a sauce is something that you you cook hmm. stuff in right or all or all or all sauces condiments or are all condiments sauces i would say i i, I would never call I guess you can make a mustard sauce, but mustard is not oh, yeah. itself a sauce. No, unless you and, make and it. And tomato, a sauce. tomato sauce isn't ketchup. Right, but 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 tomato sauce can be used as a condiment. Yes, marinara yes. sauce. Mm. Yeah, this is this is something that's weird because is is marinara sauce a condiment? Because yeah. you can like dip yes. stuff in because of mozzarella yeah, sticks. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's on sandwiches. It's on a chicken parm sandwich, right? But you can also use it for like pizzas and stuff like that. And you wouldn't want to make a pizza with ketchup. Can I? Would can you? I tell you something that I am very surprised about? Given given the amount of stupid, uh, uh, what is what is the term for it? Um, uh, the stupid like is a hot dog a sandwich argument. Uh, those nitpicky, there's a specific word for this and I can't think of it, but those nitpicky internet arguments, I have never once had this debate of whether or not a condiment is a sauce. Uh, okay. Okay. Let's, let's see. According to Wikipedia, a condiment (laughs) is a spice sauce or preparation that is added to food to impart a particular flavor to enhance its flavor, or in some cultures to complement the dish. The term originally described pickled or preserved foods, but its meaning has changed over time. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. I think I just need so a Venn diagram. A sauce. Yeah. Yeah, but but it also salt and pepper are condiments. Yes. 
Huh. So, okay. So it was like I, relish, and relish isn't like a sauce. No, relish, I, I, I wouldn't say rel- relish is a sauce. No. I have a bit of a, a moral quandary for you gentlemen while we're on the topic of, uh-huh. of things yeah. that may or may not be sauces. So at Citizens Bank Park, I don't know if they have this in, in other ballparks, but in Citizens Bank Park, they have this rather fancy uh, hot dog stand. You have your normal plebe hot dog stand where you go and get your $2 hot dog or whatever, but they have the fancy hot dog stand. And you can get pretty much anything under the sun at this hot dog stand. And one of the things you can get is pork roll and cheese sauce on your hot dog it's not pork roll with cheese sauce on it it is chopped up pork roll in melted american cheese sauce on a hot dog so it's like so delicious it's amazing it sounds like a combo between kind of like a it seems like a cheesesteak kind of thing served in a lobster roll style. Almost. It, it does actually, like, to me, it, quantifies, it qualifies as a sauce because there's, uh-huh. like, just, the ratio is just right, you know what I mean, to where I don't feel like I'm eating hot dog and pork roll that just happens to have cheese on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really disgusting, but also amazing. You're making me very hungry. I haven't had dinner yet, so. Same. <laughs> Over here on the no, East no, Coast. Just... Yeah, yeah. That's all right. All right, well, I wanted to ask, since I, I'm sure you've probably explained it in a couple other places, but just so we have, like, a little bit of background, like, how'd this whole Too Much Mustard, how'd the comics start? Like, how did this, just give us the story for anyone who doesn't know. Um, Really what it came down to was was I've, I've kind of always worked on comics in one form or another, and it's always just been kind of for myself. Uh, and there was a period somewhere in the like mid-aughts, mid to late aughts, I want to say, where uh, I had just the right combination of time on my hands and sports fandom and uh, access to things that I could use to actually you know draw strips regularly. And so it just kind of, there were just like one or two comics, I think, at first uh, that I posted to SA, uh, and they were about Daryl Revis doing random acts of, of thievery with his with his various teammates. Uh, and it kind of went away, like it just sort of started very organically. It was just something I posted because I thought it was funny, and other people thought it was funny, and that was pretty much that. And uh, there was nothing really regular about it, uh, and those kind of circulated for a bit. They kind of floated around. You would see them posted every once in a while. You'd kind of still see them posted every once in a while, which is crazy because they're like just grossly compressed, and they've been saved over and over again, and, and uh, they're like 30 kilobyte bitmaps at this point. Um, but yeah, those kept kind of going around and around, and then at some point I decided, well... You know, I I managed to get even more time on my hands, and and people were people were responding to them enough whenever I posted them for me to be like, well, let me pursue this for a while, and then that became you know too much mustard dot com, and and that's when I think the majority of them ended up getting made was sort of in that initial spree of of you know trying to get one posted like 
if not every day, then every other day, but I'm incredibly lazy, so I never really stuck to a schedule. Uh, and then eventually just sort of, you know, the time ran out on it and I kind of decided to move on to other things. But it was, it was, it's really tough to say, like, there was a definitive, yeah, I'm going to do this kind of thing. It was very much a, yeah, I'm going to come back to this when it's interesting to me. And then it was very interesting to me for, you know, a good couple of years there. I remember reading those first Darrell Rivas comics and they were great. I think the best comic you ever made is still the Pete Carroll sensitivity. One. <laughs> that, that's, that one's my favorite. That, that one is definitely the one I always loved the most. That one was a lot of fun. Uh, I think though the ones that I enjoy most are the ones that I can just kind of like slip stuff into over and over again. Um, I, I, part of the reason that I like working with so many frames is that I really hate the idea of just like set up, set up, set up, set up, set up punchline. Uh, I like the idea of just kind of slipping things in there, you know, throughout it. Like if you're going to have somebody sit there and read for like 18 frames, you might as well make it worth their time the entire way through, you know? Um, that's, that's something that I actually like going back and a couple months ago, I went back and like looked at like older web comics that I used to like, mm-hmm. uh, and and actually older like comics too. There's this thing that like people didn't realize until like after web comics had taken off that you don't have to just have one joke in a comic. Yeah, <laughs> like one kind of funny joke in a comic, and I I remembered like going through this. Yeah, it was like a a twenty frame thing that was just all set up for this like pretty okay payoff but i I still felt like i was like okay i don't know i i i get that i totally get that yeah it's sorry go ahead no i still hate you for when we collaborated on that (laughs) one comic (laughs) and you like we had we did one comic together um it's i it was about the Giants before they played the Eagles. It was actually the comic before the game where Cruz died. And, oh, yeah. Which makes it really super depressing in retrospect. <laughs> but it, it was basically like how the Giants were trying to get prepped for the Eagles. And it was Coughlin being frustrated at Eli Manning constantly raising his hand like a child. And he sent it. And it was like 20 panels long. And I I love long panel comics. I would I would do a lot more of them if it wasn't so much goddamn effort. Yeah. Uh-huh. For, like I'm not drawing stick figures, so I got that. I'm like, this is really funny, but fuck, I have to draw this in like two days. Yeah, yeah. I I would say I feel bad about that, but I don't because <laughs> it was still a pretty good comic. It was. And actually, you did comic. you did a lot of really good work, like sort of managing you know my my absurd over you know overproduction uh in terms in terms of you know scripting stuff out uh you did a really good job of sort of wrangling that in and still really preserving sort of the atmosphere that i was kind of going for with it and i think that that turned out really well that thing was awesome looking yeah and i honestly as long as we can have a little bit more time beforehand i would love to go back and do that again oh sure it's it, it was very fun to draw like not having to think of the joke myself like, there was something refreshing about that because honestly when i'm going through the comics it, i come up with something that requires a lot 
and then I just have to be like, oh, I don't have the time for this. And I just have to cut it down and cut it down. Yeah. And then it goes out and I'm like, oh, I hate myself. This looks terrible. And then <laughs> I move on. That's basically every comic. Just like, oh, this is garbage, but at least I don't have to look at it in two days. That's the creative cycle in general. I think you just described the creative process. In- inspiration, realization, disappointment, inspiration. Yep. There's the cycle. Yep, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, for for me, when, like, whenever I was sitting down to actually write out the comics, like, I never really did, like, a, a beat-by-beat kind of thing. Like, that script that I did for the comic that you and I worked on, that was the very first script I had ever written for a, a Too Much Mustard thing. Uh, because a lot of it was just kind of sitting down with, you know, the blank template in front of me and, you know, maybe some idea of something that might happen and then just kind of going and seeing where it took me. Uh, and I had the luxury of doing that because I was just drawing stick figures and, and it was very simple and very straightforward. Uh, and I, I could sit there and, and get rid of a couple frames if they weren't working. And I wouldn't feel bad about it because it wasn't a ton of work to put them there in the first place. Must be nice. Oh, it's wonderful. Although, honestly, when I, when I start <laughs> cutting frames, I'm like, oh, thank God I don't have to draw that. <laughs> I have to get everything planned out before I commit to any sort of line work. Oh, absolutely. I sit there pacing around my backyard until I come up with an idea. And then I sit down, I work it out. And then I'm like, okay, now I can finally like start inking this crap. And then by that point, I'm just like fed up and I'm tired and I don't want to do anything anymore. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing that for like six years now. I don't know how. I really don't know how I've kept it up this long. I, it never started as anything. Like, I was just making dumb comics for Essay the same as you. Yep. People liked them. I was like, all right, I should probably put these together on a site or something like that. And I did that, and I just kept going. And I've kept going, and it's been a ride. <laughs> I really, like, I, I'm, I am perpetually in awe at, at your work ethic with with that comic because you know like like i said and as made evident by uh how frequently too much mustard started and stopped over the years like it was always really tough for me to uh keep any kind of workflow going for more than you know a couple months at a time uh because it's it's you know momentum runs out or or motivation gets a little slim or you know just life gets in the way stuff like that yeah it just you just get busy and you're like no i think part of it was just i had regular readers and i'm like oh no i i can't let them down right so if you're listening and and you're reading and you're commenting like you're the reason it's still going and i thank you for it yeah you guys are the much. lifeblood of creative ventures like <laughs> just having people to sit there and go like oh yeah that was pretty funny like that's, even that well, that's, that's fine it's a motivating thing like you're saying that's like I, you know i i don't the creative stuff i do doesn't really go on on a regular schedule except you know except for this podcast and some of the other ones i do but whenever i'm like feeling you know like uh, i don't want to do it i don't want to do it. it it's nice to have that kind of external motivation like it's not just like for me it's like i'm doing this thing for me for someone else who hopefully enjoys it too right and it's 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 very nice yeah 
And I've always been kind of amused that sometimes I totally phone in a comic. I'm like, ah, this sucks. I could come up with anything. There you go. And people will think it's really funny and call back to it. And then there'll be other times where I'm like, oh, this idea is so good. I'm so happy. And I put a lot of effort into it and it looks great. And I put it up and I'm all proud and no one cares. <laughs> yep. Yep. I know exactly what that's <laughs> like. That's like the most frustrating thing. You're like, wait, why do people care about this comic? The, but, uh, but I... oops, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. I was running out of steam. Oh, um, the one that jumps to mind for me as being a perfect example of the latter is the Willy Wonka one with the Bill Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick press conference, uh, and it and it like slips into color and he's singing and everything. Uh, I was so happy about that one. <laughs> I was like so enthused about it, uh, and then I posted it. And it just kind of like, eh. And I was so bummed about that for a couple days, <laughs> and it's so stupid to. to you know sit there and say that but but it is weird it's it's that sort of like even minimal feedback on on creative stuff makes a huge difference so like you're saying the people who are out there commenting like they are you know they are the people who keep this stuff going and we appreciate it so much move on a little bit from creative stuff um you're an eagles fan which makes you i'm sorry the world champion philadelphia eagles Uh, i think is what you meant uh, yeah yeah Grab three more rings and we'll talk. <laughs> that sounds... You are now the second Eagles fan to show up on the podcast. I haven't gotten another Giants fan yet. <laughs> three more rings sounds kind of unrealistic. I think I'm just going to get everything I can out of this one. I don't blame you. What were you doing for the Super Bowl? How'd you celebrate? Uh, Super Bowl, I went down to my parents' house. Uh, so that I could watch the game from the same spot that I watched the Phillies win the World Series in 2008. Uh, thankfully, it worked out. Uh, but yeah, it was great. Got to see it with the got to see it with the parents. It was a really wonderful time. Um, and then I think we yeah I think I went over to my wife's house after that uh, because it was two families were throwing Super Bowl related things, and we didn't want to have to split up between the two. So. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was this awkward decision-making process, but uh, ultimately it worked out. Got to see Eagles do a thing. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Are you excited for the season to start tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> kind, kind Are of. you excited about football at all anymore? Kind of. It, it, I'm, I am... Oh, there's like a, a reptile part of my brain that is just going to be excited about this time of year, no matter what, like no matter what kind of moral, you know, misgivings I have about the game or the politics surrounding it or anything like that. There's always going to be some part of me that's just like, dude, it's September. It's time for football. Um, I, I, it's a little tempered this year. And I think part of that is because the Eagles won. Uh, it's kind of weird to explain, you know, it's, it's the dog yeah, chasing it, the car, you know, once you it's get a, it, it's a strange, yeah, I, that's a really good way of putting it. I've always had trouble kind of describing the feeling because I obviously that when the giants won twice, it was really great for like a day. And then you're kind of like, that's it. <laughs> here's so here's going to be my, my take on that. Cause I'm, I, I'm feeling that same kind of 
burnout. And I think the other thing that that relates to this, and I think the thing that's more important than your team winning, specifically the Eagles, is the fact that the Patriots <laughs> lost. We all wanted the. No, I'm I'm being serious about this. From a it's something we can all gather around. Yes. yes, and and it feels it, it feels like you have it's like you beat the final boss in a video game, and there's no cliffhanger. Yeah. Right. Or the end of the end of the sea, like a very satisfying ending of the season of TV. Now with the NFL, what's going to happen very instantly is that the Patriots are going to start winning games again, and we're going to start hearing all these this stuff about how the Patriots are going to come back, and you know, after that horrific upset last year, they're going to win the Super Bowl, and instantly everyone's going to be interested again because we need a villain. And, and, like, now we're all in the mindset of, like, oh, they're not going to be good. Tom Brady's old, blah, 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 whatever. Saquon Barkley's going to be exciting. The Rams are going to have the best defense in the world. What the fuck are the Bears going to be? Uh, you know, what what's going what's gonna to happen with the Falcons? Is Julio Jones going to be good still? Like, what's going to happen with the Eagles? When's Carson Wentz going to play? That's what we're stuck on. And then... When the Patriots start being good, that's going to be the rally point, you know? We need the villain to come back. Of course. We need the heel. We always need a good heel. And that's that's one thing the Patriots are good at. They're a very good heel. Yep, yep. I have always, I mean, we've talked about, I think, this very specific thing on the podcast before. The the fact that the Patriots are very important and you will always want to root against them and you always be unhappy when they win, but they're very good for the sport because otherwise, I mean, can you think of really any other team just in the makeup, right? Maybe the Packers, like maybe Packers or Steelers. I don't know. Like I, I kind of thought that way about the Patriots for maybe like the previous five years or so like that but in the past year i've just gotten so just bored of them mm-hmm. yeah and i've i've I've, multi- I've said this multiple times but like the patriots at this point are only interesting when there's potential that they could fail yes they've ceased to be interesting for being good yes they're yeah they've achieved everything they could possibly achieve at being good anything this is just like incremental success they're only interesting now when things don't go quite right and that's the only thing we can ever talk about at this point because it's all we got they've got this like i'm just mid-2000s john cena thing going on where they just don't lose they never lose yep yep and even even though I hate the Eagles, like it was very refreshing to see the Patriots lose because it's like, oh, hey, something they normally don't do and something I wasn't expecting happened. Like that's that's nice. That's refreshing. A different group of nut jobs gets to party in the streets. <laughs> and it was yep. an objectively exciting game too. Like, oh, yeah, well, it, it was. was a really it was a good game. it was a very fun a game. No defense game. whatsoever. Yeah, no, screw it. Nope. But yeah, I think I think that uh, people are, or at least I don't know. When I took stock and and I kind of thought about, oh shit, that's tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday, by the way. 
So yeah, by, by, the, by the, time the time everyone listens this. to this, the first game of the season will have already happened. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Eagles lost 24-10. Not, not the most <laughs> ideal timing for us, but but still. I, I think that I think that once we get back into the swing of things and remember who we hate and who we love, you know. It'll be it'll fun come the playoffs because the playoffs are when they actually face teams that can beat them and then it gets more fun. But like September and October where they're just, you know, blowing people out. It's like, eh, eh, yeah. Eh. What are the bills doing? Oh, they're, they're, they're bad <laughs> again. Oh, they're, they're starting Nathan Peterman. Oh, mm-hmm. that guy who threw five interceptions in the first half of his only game so far, they named him the starter. Okay. Let's, let's watch this train wreck. I mean, that's kind of impressive. It is. I'm excited for it. I'm very excited for it. I'm excited for football. I never thought I'd be like I was always pretty happy during the off season. I'm like, there's a lot of stupid, goofy stuff. And like, like off seasons where dumb stories happen. Like, oh, this player ran into a tree. Oh, this this player's a dumbass. Oh, and now it's just depressing. Everything about the NFL is depressing. So the off season's just depressing. And now that we actually are getting back to the only part of football that's any good and that's the actual games themselves mm-hmm. yeah and the narratives will kind of fill themselves in as the season goes on you know there's there's always yeah. that couple of teams that surprise the hell out of everybody and there's always you know that division that just sucks out of nowhere and uh which could very well be the nfc East. oh 100 everybody everybody i see a lot of like eagles fans were like eagles are gonna win the division i'm like they're, they should be the favorites, but have you watched the NFC East at all over the past two decades? Yeah, they it's... do not conform to any sort of logic. I like. Nope. I'm pretty convinced the Redskins are somehow going to win it. <laughs> I, I'm so I, I. The only thing that I'm confident in is that the Cowboys are going to lose the division. They are going to be in fourth place, and I like. I don't. I don't want to like. We can only hope. Yeah, but I mean, can you? Can, is there any fucking way that that both they're they're living and dying on Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and a good offensive line and neither Dak Prescott nor Ezekiel Elliott has looked like they've looked in their in that first season together and I don't think I don't know I think it was just that one time and and they're, and they're, they're, they're having great. like some offensive linemen are hurt like I don't yeah. I, Again, like the Cowboys do not look like they've improved. They look nope. like they've gotten no. worse. Whereas, but whereas the every NFC single... East is in a complete chaos dimension separate from our own. Yeah. So they could go 14 and 2 and it would somehow make sense. Mm-hmm. And it would it would be nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's that's just the NFC East for you. I tell you what I'm interested in now. I'm interested in the Bears. I are you? <laughs> I mean, they're more interesting now than they were. They they are four days they are. ago. Is, so 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 it's it's funny because I don't I don't know how I feel about this completely yet. I haven't like. What was your first reaction when you woke up and you saw the news that you had traded for Khalil Mack? It was it was like oh we're in win now mode apparently because we, <laughs> we gave up two first rounders for him, and I I mean. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because the the word all around Chicago, even though there is no evidence for it, is that Mitch Trubisky is good enough to be a franchise quarterback. 
lead us to a conference championship game and give us, you know, years of good quarterback play that is not mediocre and not marred by, you know, a touchdown to interception ratio of, let's say, you know, one and a half. So, like, I, I, I don't... So that's that's where you got to start from when you're talking about the Bears, at least vis-a-vis Bears fans. Um, everyone seems to think Jordan Howard is better than he actually is. And so before before the trade, my thing was like, it's okay, reasonable. they're just going to start... They're um, just going to, like, lose every game. And, and that's going <laughs> to... And that's going to, like then it's going to be over but now now they have the second best defender in the league on their team so and like that's the thing like i don't know if the bears are in with demo because the thing is like when you use a first round draft pick you basically are hoping for a khalil mack like a khalil mack is a best case scenario right so like the loss the the fact that you gave up two first rounders is kind of a bummer but one of those first rounders basically turned into the player you want exactly so like it's hard to not obviously time will tell but it's hard to not look at the raiders decision and be like what are you doing you dummies john gruden is not good no. I think we're going to find out this year that John Gruden is actually bad and has always been bad. And we were just lulled into a false sense of security by how many times he said banana and how much he liked guys. He seems he seems really bad. I, uh, I, I'm kind of rooting for him. Stayed in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> I think all just of us sheer are chaos. Still, I want chaos is always the number one priority. Chaos is the best thing honestly if i had my ideal league it would be every single team would be eight and eight and nobody would know anyone who's good <laughs> nice. in the playoffs would be a complete they would be uh, only determined by like mathematical strength of schedule that nobody would know and like tons of coin flips and so we'd have a playoff that makes absolutely no sense and nobody knows anything that would be the best you want a super bowl champion determined by a game of popomatic trouble Yes. It would more or less. <laughs> Cuz you just go into every game and you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I do I have think no idea who's going to be good. There's, there's something gonna to be, be said there, for that. Be something that. Yeah. Like there I love turning into games where the teams are evenly matched and you don't have a stake in either team. Like, wow, what if I just watch like the Titans and the Chiefs and I don't really have a stake in either team. I kind of like both teams. I just want to see a good game. Yeah. Like let's just let's just have chaos where none of the teams are definitely better so you're not really you don't really know who to root for. You're just kind of like what's going to happen? Who knows? That's kind of why I'm rooting for Gruden. Like I I don't expect them to do well. I expect them to be a pretty bad team. But yeah, I like the idea of a John Gruden team out there inexplicably and without any kind of of sense actually managing to scramble together a good season just because it it adds a little bit more chaos to what is already kind of like a a really weird season coming up um you know when you have so many teams that are kind of in flux and and 
the NFC is stacked as hell and the AFC is kind of withering a little bit. same crap it always is. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of somebody throwing a monkey wrench into these things. uh, And, you know, if if Gruden can do it, then great. Uh, I don't expect him to, but... I do feel super bad for Oakland Raiders fans. Oh, yes. Because this Mm -hmm. is... I mean, this is the last season they get in Oakland and... Right before it started, they lost their best player. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like John Gruden was hired deliberately to sour Oakland fans on the team so that the move to Vegas is a little bit more palatable. It's like, <laughs> oh, you're just going to trade the best players? Fine, be gone with you. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'll just go stab some other people <laughs> wearing normal clothing. <laughs> Fine. That's just going to be my day now, I guess. Ugh. I'm just like, I, I still think, and maybe this is just, you know, from from being surrounded by Bears fans and, and pro-Bears propaganda, but I, two first-rounders for Khalil Mack, right? Like, I don't, if you were, if you were the Bears, why do you make that trade? Unless, unless you really don't know what you have, this is a team that was not good last year. This is a team that has a quarterback with tons of question marks. This is a team that has, you know, one... Well, I mean, the one thing, the Bears are theoretically rebuilding. They have a new coach, so they don't have too many expectations. You just... You spend a couple pieces that I guess you could sort of build around. Well, but that's the thing. But that's my thing is that if you are rebuilding, why are you trading two first rounders for Khalil Mack? That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, yet well, again, like... yes, Khalil Mack is the second best defender in the league, and putting him even if the rest of your defense is traffic cones, having him on your defense will you'll probably end up in the top like third defensively uh, in the league in terms of yards allowed so like yeah i mean i get it like i get why you give up that much for khalil mack that that's not what bugs me what bugs me is why the bears did it because i don't i i don't think they're in any kind of position to make that trade that's that's my only thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird because you figure like even if they're saying, "All right, we're going to set ourselves up with a window by getting this, you know, dynamic player in here, second best defensive player in the league," and uh, and really sort of opening that up, you're also kind of shutting the door on all the rebuilding you could do with, with some high level draft picks. Yeah, exactly. That that's my thing. Is if, if you can't. You can't set yourself a window by mortgaging your next two first round picks, right? Because if you're if you're on a team that needs a lot more stuff, you, that's not how you start a rebuilding process. You yeah. you trade like some second or third rounders for players who are, you know, maybe the 10th best defender in the league or something. I don't friggin' know. I it's it, it just like you can't the strategy doesn't track for me. Yeah. You are you are doing you are making a good move, like one good move that prevents you 
from capitalizing on that one good move that you have made. But then again, I might not know shit. Like the, the, the bears might be a lot better than I think they are. And if that's the case, then I'm an idiot and whatever. Well, that's, that's always the point. Like the counter argument is, well, one of those first rounders is you arguably just used on a, on a proven quantity right, instead yes. of an unknown. Exactly, so that's you, fair. You may, and there's no guarantee that the people you would have drafted with those two players, with those two picks, would have worked out. But you did get a proven commodity, and if you believe in yourself hard enough, maybe you think <laughs> you are good. Obviously, we're not going to know until the season starts to get rolling. I'm not expecting anything out of Khalil Mack right away because he, mm-hmm. he's got to learn all the playbook and stuff like that. But I do believe uh, Vic Fangio is going to use him right it it's i don't know i i don't think i hate the move for the bears as much as you do and maybe it's because i'm not in chicago or a bears fan i mm-hmm. i'm looking at this more or less from like i feel like this was they, they maybe gave up a lot but they gave up a lot for something that's more more worth it than you'd expect you didn't it's not like you give up two picks to move up to a higher pick for an unknown like like the Redskins did that to move up to get RG3, that didn't work out. The Eagles gave up all that to get Carson Wentz. It did. You don't know, but when you right. go yeah. for Khalil Mack, you're like, all right, there's a very high chance we're going to get what we want, and it's a player who's absolutely great in his prime. So I, I think there's, I don't know, I don't hate the move as much as you do. I think if they were, if they were in the NFC East, it might actually make more sense <laughs> because. <laughs> Yep. Because it's Good. like you got to look at you have to look at Detroit. You have to look at Green Bay. Like, are the Bears really a Khalil Mack away from competing with with Detroit? I don't know and, if you, Green if Bay? you manage to throw Aaron Rodgers down on the ground hard enough. That's <laughs> that's it for Green Bay's season. It's happened multiple times in the past decade. So it's a legitimate hey, point. Open it up for everyone else. So mm-hmm. who knows what the Vikings are going to do? Hey, you got to compete. You got a good Aaron Rodgers beat him upper in the in your uh, defensive line. Like, make it happen, Bears. Like, I'm I'm finally interested in the Bears. The Bears have been like one of those teams that just no one cares about for the past three seasons because they're just boring mediocrity. Only three. And yeah. Now it's like, oh, hey, Bears might be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Mediocrity this year is the is a thing. They they <laughs> will win somewhere between four and eight games. And they, it, it will be wild to watch how much they change from game to game. That that is something that I can predict about the Bears, and I think I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm pretty confident in that that the Bears will look like wildly different teams uh, from you know week one to week two to week three. Uh, it, it will be. It'll probably depend wild. on Mitch Trubisky as well. It's just like, oh, Mitch decides to have a good week. Oh, the Bears are good. Oh, Mitch mm-hmm. Trubisky decides to really suck. Oh, the Bears are trash. Well, that's right. that's the thing is because because Mitch Trubisky is, and I have no idea how how this happened. He is a worse quarterback than than Jay Cutler, but the city loves him for some reason. Maybe it's because we want to hope. You know that we hope we want to hope that we made a good decision when we drafted him badly. You remember when we drafted him really badly? We traded up and we could have gotten him anyway, and we drafted really badly that one time when we took him. Oh, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> um, 
so like i don't it's it's just it's it's tough because because yeah it, well it, does mitch yeah, trubisky look like he cares because that that's the thing like the whole city turned no. on jay also cutler no. when he when he smiled after getting hurt so yeah i was <laughs> I gonna was say just that like was... oh you don't have the grit oh chicago we work for it oh what is this nonsense you're gonna smile as we're getting beaten that's not bears football Give me a deep dish casserole. Oh, all right. Here we go. Here's a fight we have very frequently on the podcast. Shots, and I would like shots to yeah, fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's 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 just do it. I'll I'll bite my tongue, you know, for this one. But Rob Press, okay, is deep dish pizza pizza? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it's. I mean, Define actually. It then. Here's the thing. It it does not eat like a pizza, but I mean, it's a thing with cheese and sauce and bread that you cut into triangles sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then you put it in your face. Mm-hmm. That all sounds kind of pizza like to me. Hey, do you guys know that meme? No, do you guys know that meme where it's uh, the episode of SpongeBob? And and it's overlaid with text, and it's this guy showing Patrick an ID, and it's like, so a pizza has cheese <laughs> on top of uh, sauce and bread, and a Chicago deep dish pizza has a, a, a crust and and sauce and bread. So so bread and sauce and crust makes pizza, right? So Chicago deep dish pizza is pizza, right? And then Dave comes in and is like, no, it's casserole. Casseroles also don't have crusts. <laughs> casseroles, oh. casseroles, by definition, are made in casserole dishes and don't have crusts. I, so I, you're basically I think... banking on the crust aspect. You're you're like you're using the oh, crust yeah, I, as your technicality to make this pizza. It's well, I mean, yes, like I'll agree with you there because I think, I mean, I think crust is arguably the most important thing to a pizza. Like the dough that makes a pizza. Yeah, I was gonna is say you can't really like to make a pizza. You can't shrug off crust. Like you can't just be like, oh, you're gonna say that that crust makes it pizza. Like you can't act as if crust crust is not a huge part of the pizza equation. It is let an me, important. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. The thing that always sets it apart for me is like if you ask a kid, like a four year old, draw a pizza what's he gonna draw he's not gonna draw deep dish he's yeah because well, he's not sophisticated enough he's not worldly enough to understand the glory let's dig in here because if you asked a child to draw a pizza, well you have to dig in because it's a deep dish yes yes you do uh Son okay bitch. so so imagine <laughs> in your head and this is not just you this is this is the folks listening at home Imagine in your head a drawing of a pizza that a four-year-old would draw. You got one circle on the outside, right? You got probably a, a, a little circle a little bit inside from that, marking where the cheese is. And then maybe some stuff for pepperoni. It's a top-down view, Dave. <laughs> you cannot yeah, tell how like deep... Just the marinara you cannot on the top. tell. Like, isn't that like... Authentic deep dish pizza. It's like it's, everything yeah, under the, the sauce. Yeah, you do get uh, the marinara on top. That's that's fair. 
That's fair. We're, we're, I'm imagining the kid only has pencils. So you have caught me. You have caught me there. <laughs> my, my thing, though... There's also the fact that you have to qualify it by saying deep dish. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a all subset. other types of pizza, you're just like, pizza. Well, no. You see, yeah, you so see no, New no, York no, pizza. Hold on. Hold on. You're hold like, on. that's pizza. You see deep dish pizza, you're like, that's deep dish pizza. Okay, hold on then. Okay, hold on. What do you consider white pizza? I was about to go there. I was literally about to say that exact same thing. I would consider that pizza, probably. It's a, it's like an artisan pizza. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then, let's so, stop. So, so you and you would be willing consider to consider deep dish as an artisan pizza. Yeah, I, and that's I think all personally. I it's a completely separate like. When you think about pizza, you may not think of deep dish pizza, and that's fine. Deep dish pizza is a very yeah. small, like, Venn diagram little circle within the very huge circle that is pizza. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, I, I think that is – I think that is wise. Here's sort of the, here's sort of the test that I, that I run in my head for stuff like this. If you were going to go to a party – and somebody told you, hey, man, at this party, we're going to have pizza. And you showed up and there was deep dish pizza. You wouldn't be like, oh, man, I thought you said we were going to have pizza. Right. But also. Well, I think that's based on the taste. Like, well, but also. But also. tastes good. Right. But also you wouldn't show up to that party like and they you wouldn't show up to a party with regular pizza and say, oh, when you said we were having pizza, I thought you meant deep dish pizza. Right. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. So basically I'm just saying that uh both sides are both sides have some have some okay people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the worst. <laughs> Way to not take a stand. The press. worst. My yeah, I don't know if you caught Twitter that earlier. Argument. Both sides made valid points. <laughs> I thought we were beyond that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you caught that earlier, Dave, but I was like completely on your side with the deep dish thing and just immediately flipped on you. It really took nothing. It was extremely weak-willed on my part. It was it was very irritating, but I was going to use that back in your face against Sam and be like, hey, when I said it, his gut instinct, his huh. gut reaction was a no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, that's, that's all, that is also fair. Like, that's a, that's a fair point to to bring up. And again, I I am much less militant about this than than I used to be. Uh, Probably because we've argued about it so much that yeah, we've just kind it's of just been like okay old. With it. Yeah, I don't know. I just like I can't get. I just like I like it sometimes. I okay. So so quick quick shout out. I I have recently had. So the best pizza in Chicago is not a deep dish place. It is. A place uh, by that goes by the name of Craft Pizza in in Wicker Park, and you all should go there. And I'm I'm just very much obsessed with their pizza, and they do they do do it like East Coast Neapolitan style with the like nice crunchy outside, chewy inside, doughy crust, and oh. This is the we're all hungry episode. This is the we're all hungry except for <laughs> our guest episode. Damn it. And our guest who has a comic named after too much of a condiment. This is, this is, this was such a bad idea. Too much of the best condiment. Oh, the best condiment. What are your thoughts on mayonnaise? Uh, not a fan, not a fan. I'm okay with aioli. 
Aioli, I'm all That's, right with. That was my next question. Aioli, Aioli is much better than mayonnaise. Yeah. Mayonnaise has its there, has its places. Hey, can I can I give, tell you guys a little secret? They're the same thing. I think that yes. Well, 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 I mean, yeah, but and where where people get caught up, I think, is in the binding agents and preservatives. That's in like fucking Hellman's mayo or Miracle. also the flavor is better. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, of course. So the thing that that finally turned me like made me like mayonnaise is I tried making it at home once, and it's a it's really hard uh, if you don't have like a blender or a stand mixer because um, you gotta you gotta make a like an emulsion uh and that's tough to do with like with a whisk but if you if you do it if you make mayonnaise at home just with like you know eggs and mustard and dill and oil like it'll taste really good and you will be like oh this this thing that looks disgusting is nowhere near as disgusting as i once once thought it was I will so give like, that. I will give that to mayonnaise. Homemade mayonnaise is actually really good. Uh, same with like. I haven't had a bad homemade mayonnaise in my life. It's always good. Yeah. Same with like homemade potato salad, which I guess kind of goes hand in hand with with homemade mayonnaise. But uh, there's something about like home crafting that makes mayonnaise and mayonnaise related things actually significantly better. There's something about home crafting that makes everything taste a little bit better, and I almost wonder if that's because. You made it, and you're just like, this better be good, otherwise I have failed, so I will rationalize away the things about it I do not like. Well, so, so, but here's the thing with mayo, the things about it that people generally don't like are, it's, it's flavorless and texture. weird tasting, right? And the texture, yeah. All of those things are things that you can control very easily if you make it yourself. You can put in, like... The, the the first thing that I noticed was like, oh, this is actually lemony and peppery and good. And it's because I put lemon and pepper in it. And and good? You, did you put good in I it? Put a lot, I put a lot of good in it. Mm-mm-mm. And then like if, if you're just like smearing it on like a, a thing of grilled cheese before you toast them up, it's – you don't really notice the texture, right? You just – you do a thin layer and it's and it's all good. So like – yeah, make make your own mayonnaise. Don't let don't let Mr. and Mrs. Hellman's hog all the glory. Don't let Big Mayo Especially get you not, down. Don't let Big Mayo get you, and don't don't turn to Miracle Whip because that's even worse. Miracle Whip is not mayonnaise. That's not even mayo, right? It's, like it's what not is mayonnaise, it but I don't it's know a dressing. What it is like it's a dressing. Does it count as a dressing? It's it's not a, a salad dressing. It's a dressing for like it's specifically for like potato salads and stuff like that. But yeah, if you're using it as mayo, it's going to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. This is this is why you guys bring me you on. Used it as like mayo and just used a lot of it. Uh, and like uh. like he would slather his sandwiches with it. And I tried it once because I'd never had Miracle Whip. I'm like, this is really gross. It's a bit like um, if you're not expecting it, it, like if you're expecting straight mayo, it's a bit like taking a glass of of Pepsi and getting milk. Like it's just a. a (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's yeah. I guess that's a pretty good way to describe it. It is not what i wanted it to be and maybe i've judged it too harshly for that maybe i have to meet miracle whip on its own terms (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
I will say maybe that's just me giving in to Big Miracle Whip, and I don't know if I'm okay with there's that. There's no big such whip. thing as there's no such big thing whip. as Big Miracle Whip. That's like saying Big oh, RC oh, Cola. Hey, like, that's what they I, want I you to think. You. They you want to, you to you not to notice Costco. them. They will. They will. You have to find the secret door, and you got to use your special like platinum club member key card. But there is Big Miracle Whip in that secret room, and yes, there is a diving board, and you can swim in in the in the large bucket of Miracle Whip. Like just the shittiest Scrooge McDuck, just the grossest, nastiest, just grummiest Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, there are dead bodies in there too. Like for sure. I, I'm just thinking. I'm I'm just picturing like the tomb at the end of Raider uh, uh, Last Crusade, where people are like trying to get in to Big Miracle Whip, and there's just like heads and stuff floating in the mixture, <laughs> and you have to find that like you can't see what's underneath the mixture, and you just have to like have faith that you're going to step on like where there's actually a platform. Mm-hmm. It's a leap of faith. Otherwise, you sink into the Miracle Whip and you're gone forever. Yeah, there's no coming back from that. It's disgusting. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, we've kind of wrapped up this disgusting episode. It turned out way more revolting and hungry than I was anticipating. Yeah, this this is, a, this is a weird one. <laughs> you're welcome, gentlemen. Hey, let, artists, come on. We could talk about art stuff. Actually, let's talk about food. We we talked creative ventures for a solid, like, eight minutes. And then we spent that equal amount of time about mayonnaise. We know what's important in life. <laughs> well, before you go, uh, I'd obviously like to give you a chance to, I don't know, Tell the world about yourself, like if you've got. I know you've got a podcast going on that I do. you might want people to listen to. If if you're not afraid of a, a little bit of a listener bump, I call it the draw play bump. It's like three people. <laughs> uh, well, I am currently I'm currently on two podcasts, one about video games and one about the old TV show Daria, because I am an adult. Yeah. Man. <laughs> um the one about video games is called the digital bench you can find that pretty much everywhere just look for the digital bench it's also on twitter at the digital bench i don't think we ever actually use that though um and there's also morgan dorks which is kind of my own little pet project with a good friend of mine named nissa uh that's the one that's about dario we're just kind of going episode by episode doing beat by beat stuff talking about you know um sort of behind the scenes stuff cultural context all sorts of crap uh, so we're doing that nostalgia podcasting thing. Uh, that's at Morgan Dorks. It's M O R G E N Dorks, uh, and that's pretty much it in terms of creative ventures right now. I haven't uh, brought back too much mustard, despite people asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. Yeah, <laughs> I, I admire your restraint. It's just and laziness. I also admire it's one hundred percent laziness move on and not and not get caught in just the loop but also if you want to read too much mustard yes please go to my site uh and just look for the tab on the menu bar um i don't think they're organized in order because i when i put them up there we basically just rescued them from oblivion and we didn't know what order they were in we just i just wanted to host them somewhere because your site was expiring i yeah (laughs) i I just felt like they deserved a home so I i was more than happy to host them so please just 
go to the draw play and give me those sweet clicks. <laughs> but uh, um, basically, I ate my competitor, and now his work is on my site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I can't thank you enough for that, uh, Dave, actually, because I remember when, when that was going down and my site was kind of uh, petering out slash had already just fallen off a cliff. Um, I met, I think you and I had talked briefly about about that solution about putting too much mustard onto the draw play website and I was like yeah yeah sure I'll I'll uh, you know I'll I'll get together what I can and then I think it was like 2 days later you messaged me like oh yeah it's all up there now and it's just this like dozens upon dozens of comics some that I hadn't even seen in forever uh had all been kind of like scrounged together and uploaded it was a uh, really awesome thing that I didn't have to do anything whatsoever for. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty wonderful. Um, but I really appreciate having a place to, to go back and and see, you know, some of that stuff. It's kind of nice to just read one that I totally forgot about every now and then. And I appreciate having that opportunity. So thanks a ton for it's, that, Dave. It's my pleasure. They deserve a home, and I'm more than happy to provide that home. So please, everyone, if you haven't gone to the Too Much Mustard tab, please go. It, it'll be a great, like, 20 minutes of your life as you read through them all, and you laugh very hard. It's great. I love them. Sam! Yes! I guess we're into you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Grzezes, S-A-M-G-R-E-S-Z-E-S. E-S-E-S on Twitch and Instagram at Robots Fighting Dinosaurs. And hey, you should check out the Myth Takes podcast from the Scavengers Network, which, which we are a part of here on Intention for Sounding. Dave? I am Play Dave. You can find me on Twitter at Play Dave, on Facebook at the Play Comic, on Patreon, on Instagram, and of course on thedrawplay.com, where I update three times a week when I'm able to make deadlines, which is most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I appreciate all of you wonderful readers, and we will hear from you next week. We won't hear from you. We'll talk at you. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but you'll hear us next week when football is officially back. Can't wait. <laughs>